Welcome to the Lawyer Life Podcast, where we seek to navigate our days with a little less stress and ideally a lot more fulfillment. In this season three, we focus on small and big changes that will advance our well-being, personal, and professional lives. On today's episode, we discuss leadership. We're asking ourselves, how can lawyers develop effective skills to guide others? I'm Mike Anderson. And I'm Darlene Tonelli. Good morning, Darlene. Hello. Good morning. Great intro. Very encouraging. Thank you. Happy Friday. Thank you. Happy Friday to you. Thank you. What's going on? Well, I know we talked about uh, trying to stay out of the media and stuff, but this morning I could not help but have my attention drawn to the headlines about the royals moving to Canada. This is like Canada's <laughs> right in the middle of this. It's so fun to see Canada in the news, but I don't know. It's a scandal yeah. and we've we've established as part of our high performance objectives that we are not troubling our minds with such matters uh, while we focus on higher goals. I was unaware of that new development. Mm-hmm. Did they say where? Apparently, the media is all gathering at the Victoria Airport. So, uh, uh, okay. you know, yeah. I tried not to read the deep details. I was looking at headlines. So anyway. Have you been to Victoria? I have like a long time ago. Like um, they used to have an amazing music conference out there. Um, so I would I would go for that, but it's been a while, and I could stand to go back. It's awesome, Vancouver Island, amazing place to yeah. visit. Yeah, it is amazing. I think they should live in Tofino. Tofino yeah. surf. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. People won't bother them there. That'd be great, and then they can fly down to LA for stuff. Mm-hmm. They get it. Well, apparently, you know? a big reason why they're thinking of Canada is that we here are um, famously, I guess. Um, respectful of privacy with celebrities, which I think is something that comes up a lot with our film festival and stuff. Um, When celebrities are here, Canadians are just very respectful of space and don't want to bother people. And that's, that's cultural. So um, I'm kind of proud of that. And they stay in the Commonwealth, you know, Yes, we have the queen as our queen. Yeah. Fair. Anyway, um, speaking of focus, I have, um, I have stayed away, I guess, as as we've established from um, a lot of uh, noise this week after talking about focus last week. And I so incentivized myself to do work um, this week to keep my focus. And it totally, totally worked. Great. How did you do it? I was just had a task and then found something that I was very drawn to do and allowed myself only to do that thing once the task was done. And I found it very satisfying. And it kept it was made me very efficient. I wasn't like lollygagging around while doing the subject task. And then I got to go do whatever you know for ten minutes, fifteen minutes uh, afterwards that I that I enjoyed. So uh, yeah, it, it, it has worked for me. I thought you were going to say that you used the bag of trail mix from your ten Never. from your cross Canada bike ride. Oh, I couldn't dream of doing that. No, <laughs> it's still there, intact. I love that story. That is so good. Um, I'm a weirdo. I think it's great. One of the characteristics of um, emotional intelligence, actually, I've been reading a lot about lately, is that your ability to delay gratification is like a part of high performance and emotional intelligence. So I don't know. I think that that, yeah, I think I have that skill and Mm -hmm. potentially uh, have developed it so deep that it's a fault. 
of mine now. Okay. I think that's possible. Yeah. Maybe you need to go back to our episode 99 problems of which I am one. Yes. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, okay. We didn't issue a formal challenge last week, but I think both of us uh, did just try to incorporate some of what we learned. And I tried out the no exceptions policy this week. So um, I have uh, realized many times in my life that I just perform overall better when I have a morning routine of some sort. Uh, historically, it's taken different forms. But now that my kids are sort of at an age where I can predictably leave the house without anybody needing me, waking up, etc. I have been trying to get up and get myself some exercise in the morning. And I tried the no exceptions policy. I made a goal. And then I basically in the morning was like, okay, no exceptions. I have this goal. And how am I going to achieve it this week? And I did achieve it one week. So you can continue to check in with me as a little um, incentive to me to keep going. But whole week went better. The focus was better all day. Just from delivering on a commitment to myself first thing in the morning sets you up really well for the week, I found. So glad we talked cool. about it. Well, look at us. So far, one week. Yes. The real <laughs> test is can you do it for you know a substantial amount of time? But we'll start with small mm -hmm. steps. Helpful to focus on focus just coming back from the break too. Yes. Because getting transitioning from that vacation mind back to the work mind um, can be a challenge sometimes. So I think that was uh, well-timed and helpful for me. So I hope it was for uh, you, the listener, as well. Um, this week, we are talking about ba -ba 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 -ba, leadership. Why are we talking about leadership this week? We received some uh, correspondence from a listener, and they said that they are doing the challenges. <laughs> correspondence? <laughs> well, it was not social media. We have received some correspondence from a listener. <laughs> I would... Uh, via the telegram My reads, brief uh, stop, impulse please. was to say uh, fan mail, so, but that's not correct, although it was mail. Oh! Yeah. Registered mail. We received... Not registered. Oh, we received snail mail. mail. Um, and anyway, the feedback is um, enjoying the high performance season, doing the challenges. Can you speak a little bit about leadership and what, how to build leadership skills and competencies in lawyers? And I thought this is well-timed because we were thinking about what is our next topic. And um, we've shuffled around an interview, which is probably going to be next week. Uh, so we're going to hit this topic this week. So I would like to talk about it because I think even if you're not a leader at a law firm, the interesting thing, or in your profession, if you're not a lawyer, um, I really think that building leadership capabilities and competence is something that we all have to do, right? Like we're all leading, we're all heading on a path somewhere in our career and building leadership skills is how we get more and more responsibility. And it doesn't mean that you have to be a manager by title of people. Leadership comes in lots of forms and so much of the modern work world is about just leading on an issue or an innovation. So we thought if we talked about some of the um, ingredients to good leadership skills that we are aware of, um, I think that would be helpful. What do you think? Bravo. Bravo. Uh, Very well. <laughs> all right. Hmm. So let's start out by just talking about emotional. I, I mean, emotional intelligence is a buzzword. It's obviously something I'm very interested in. There are some key pieces to it. And effectively, if we sum it up, 
the idea is you become self-aware, you do the work on yourself so that when you are interacting with other people, you can pick up on the cues that they are giving you to be more effective in figuring out how to solve problems, how to navigate situations, stuff like that. So it's not really, I mean, you can go read a book about emotional intelligence, depending where you are in the, um, you know, the journey on your own, you can be closer or you can have a a higher natural intelligence for, for this stuff or lower, but it is something you can work on. So when I look at it, the first step is self-awareness going through and figuring out, okay, what do I need to do to be a better leader? And for me, I think the thing that I'm working on at the moment and is a challenge for me is to listen, really actively listen to what people are doing, what people need and what they want and, um, to just give it the space to, to hear what someone is saying and then figure out a response. That's what I'm working on at the moment as a start. Well, I think it's interesting to pause on emotional intelligence for a second. You know, it is something that we've heard uh, a lot in the last like decade or so is like, you know, the key skill um, for CEOs and leaders. I think a lot of that makes sense. You obviously want to be able to understand yourself, your emotion, perceives other people's emotions, regulate your emotions. Um, that makes a ton of sense. I, As you know, uh, I'm very partial to uh, a, an academic uh, named Adam Grant, mm-hmm. who's at Wharton uh, and has a great podcast called Work Life. Uh, and I came across him in my EI research. And actually, he is... He prefaces his article, uh, which is on LinkedIn, actually, saying that if you're, you know, an evangelist for EI, you might not want to read what he found. Um, And so effectively, what he came to understand is that EI is great, but it's not a panacea. It's not actually even more important than cognitive, cognitive ability. So I think one thing to note when we're talking about like EI and leadership is you need to have like the baseline done like you need to be (laughs) you need to have high like especially as as a lawyer you need to have high cognitive ability you need to do you know the the hard work of having a good practice as a lawyer and this is a thing you know great ei working on your ei is like the next level step you know um to develop yourself and really in in his study i found it interesting they did the study with salespeople uh and because the ceo was was convinced that ei was the thing that would make his sales force great and adam grant said i think it's cognitive ability probably and so they tested it and they came to learn that cognitive ability was five times more powerful than ei that's in the sales uh situation um, and so on. And, and he does recognize the EI is super important for jobs where you are, you know, working closely with somebody, especially if they're under stress, like counseling. Um, he also you know, mentions real estate um, in, uh, that it's you know, helpful, but it's not the predictor of high performance um, for, for folks, even in jobs that are highly emotional. And I think that, you know, we often guide folks during difficult times. Lawyers do that. Super important to be able to you know, relate on an emotional level, but even more important to, you know, to be able to do the black and white uh, work as well. I think that the IQ cognitive black letter stuff is table stakes, right? Like the idea is, yeah, it doesn't matter if your EQ is high, if you're giving the wrong advice, 
right? Like at the end of the day. Yeah, you just, people would feel really great receiving. Yeah, and like if you're, <laughs> if you're really great at telling, at doing the sales process and doing the dance, but you don't close deals, then again, doesn't matter to have a high EQ. Um, I yeah. don't know though. I mean, I've read the opposite perspective where IQ is a lower percentage of um, like a, almost the reverse of those numbers. So I think it's probably really dependent on what they're measuring, how they measure it, um, maybe uh, his study, I'd be interested to look at that article actually, um, because I'd, I'd love to know where the balance is and how to introduce it. But I think as a, as a starting point, the idea is we're all pretty comfortable, I think, as professionals in this idea that you have to constantly be improving your skills. So I think that's the key starting point. The good news is from the Adam Grant study as well, is that there is a positive correlation between having high cognitive ability and developing high emotional intelligence. Right. So good news for lawyers. Like generally, it, it you know, to, to get through all the, you know, hurdles and hoops that it takes to be a practicing lawyer, you know, you probably have some good cognitive ability. Um, and that means that you have, you know, a great capacity, if you haven't already done it, uh, to develop high EI. Uh, so then we all get to become, you know, the uh, amazing superhero lawyers that we're all <laughs> aiming to become. And I also think that it's something, part of this for me is just realizing where are your strengths, right? Like, I think the first question, like I said off the top, I think that I have some strengths and I'm always looking for, okay, what what am I working on to improve? And um, sometimes the answer is I need to improve on that and it's non-negotiable, which I think some things are. And then sometimes it's, you know, maybe I'm not the right person to be doing that. So here's an interesting example. Um, when I was going through having uh, my first child, I was dealing with a doctor at a hospital. And the interesting thing about this doctor was um, she was probably the best in her field, I would say. And I think that the hospital had recognized that she wasn't the most emotionally intelligent person and was dealing with very sensitive issues. Um, and there was actually like an intermediary person that we were assigned to deal with where the doctor communicated the black letter conclusions and in a very emotionally unintelligent way, I think would be a charitable uh, description but we were given before, during, and after access to someone who had a completely different skill set and was actually um, a lot more, I would say, emotional intelligence was the main thing. And she probably had some professional training in counseling or something like that. Um, but overall, the experience was okay. But had we been sent in straight to that doctor, it would have been, I think, a disaster. Yeah. And uh, I think that's you know who knows who made that call? Mm -hmm. and maybe even maybe she did. If it even is the the doctor that made it, uh, and that does show that they you know understood themselves. And and I think it, I think a, a sign of a great leader is um, being self self critical and, and practicing this EI sort of stuff, but also um, empowering others to do what they're best at. And so it might have been just this great circumstance. She knew that she was better at the technical stuff she had this employee or potential employee who looked great on the ei side and said let's just build this new model mm -hmm. uh to accommodate and develop both of our strengths and and frankly like you know we've talked about ego and we've talked about other things a lot of people professionals like to hold on to every aspect of the job because they feel that they're the only one that can do it all properly and a great sign of a leader is understanding this is what i'm good at 
I don't need to do everything. I'm going to empower other, empower others to take, you know, significant things and autonomously take care of them themselves. And I will let them do that. Um, and that's another great thing that, that effective leaders do. Totally. This is a time of massive disruption, right? So I've come from the music industry. I watched massive disruption happen. Now we're in the legal world. We're in the same boat, really. I mean, there's a lot of disruption happening here. And I think that the skills that we maybe grew up with, um, seeing in managers or on TV of what leaders looked like, those are going to need to be different in the future. Because back in the day, you could establish a business model and be pretty secure like through your life, really. Um, whereas now there's a constant, constant uh, change, extreme change. Um, and if I, I read a quote in an article that we can add to the show notes, it says, if leaders are going to thrive in a future of extreme disruption, they must not only manage their own energy, they must encourage, model and reward positive energy in others. So, okay, so we've talked about EI, we're kind of now getting on to a leader that's focused on helping others. And I'm going to go back to my guy, Adam Grant. It's funny, two times in this episode, but he has this big bit about um, at, in a workplace, there, you're, there are givers and there's matchers and there's takers. And in his study, again, he's an academic. These are like, you know, these aren't just pop studies. He, he does the good, the good work. What he has found in workplaces is that long-term leaders that are givers do far better than leaders that are takers. And uh, I don't want to do this, Darlene, and this is going to be controversial because I know you love your boy, but <laughs> Steve Jobs, he uses as an example. And people say, well, Steve Jobs was a complete asshole. <laughs> and, but look what he did. So it might be good to have a leader that is a bit you know, too firm and focused on getting as much as he can from employees and not necessarily focused on giving that same amount back. Uh, of himself. And um, what Adam Grant effectively says is, sure, Steve Jobs did well, but imagine, and this is from interviews with former employees and so on, imagine how great the results could have been if he was more focused on being a giver, which is, you know, somebody who, it, without reservation, without expecting anything back, focuses on helping others. Um, and one example he gives is, well, if he was a giver, would he have been thrown out of his own company for that number of years? And that big gap of time where he wasn't leading Apple, imagine how much more could have progressed um, if he uh, was better on the EI and giver side. What do you think about that? I love that you're like, I'm going to be controversial. I'm going to slam Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, you, you love him. At least you quote him all the time. There's a lot of stuff you like well, about what he did. Um, Fair. I mean, do I? What I don't know is whether his strategy would work in the year 2020. I, I think work was different before. Like even with my kids, I look and I think about how we overvalue or we value obedience, right, with children. And I think in part it's because back in the 40s and 50s, that was a really important skill because you were probably going to work in a factory and you should be obedient, and that's how you would get ahead by following orders. Um, and now. You know, I see my my friends' kids. One of my my best friend's children is staging a protest because the school has like changed something about the playground, and I think it's great. And I'm like, that's the skill now, right? So I don't know that you could be in this era when people talk about emotional intelligence and um, the tech world is very much the CEO is standing up, being candid, um, having ask me anything sessions. 
um, you know, having workplace HR people who have all these different things. I, I think the landscape is so different that if he was trying to establish his visionary credibility in this landscape, it would be tougher. I don't know that it couldn't be done. Um, but I would say I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily admire the way that he got his results. I more admire his, the things he learned and the, the time that I came to him was really through that speech that he gave at Stanford, which I think contains like a lot of wisdom um, gained through a life that maybe was him realizing without maybe apologizing, but realizing, yeah, you know what? I got here for some good reasons and there was some bad stuff. You're talking about how things are evolving and the, in the emotional intelligent leader that allows for flexibility and creativity being, you know, the new model is, exactly what's occurring in the sports world and i love using sports because it's just like it's an organization that's so public that you can take a look at into and has all these resources to develop their talent and so uh the toronto Maple believes as some people might know had this very hardened traditional coach this season who had very distinct systems um that and was very regimented and strict the problem was he had a bunch of young creative players um and what came to bear was that that system with these young creative players was not yielding the results it should have. And so they changed coaches and brought on a new coach with a new philosophy. Much of it focused on player happiness, uh, making an environment where players feel safe to fail and exercise their creativity. And the results immediately changed. And the team is like winning twice as many games as they did before. Um, and hmm. a lot of people are talking about this is like, you know, a key moment in in hockey. But I think it also is just a good example of what you're speaking to, of the way things are trending is the way that you are actually become elite, either as an employee, as a leader, or as an organization, is by leveraging as much of your employees' talents, skills, and creativity as possible Whereas in the past, what actually might have been <laughs> the way that you become elite is holding all that stuff down so they just stick to the system. Yeah, I think that, that helpful stuff to pull out of that too. Totally. And it goes with this quote that I found from Jack Welch, who's another uh, 80s, I think, CEO. He was the CEO of GE. Um, he said, before you are a leader, success is all about growing yourself. When you become a leader, success is all about growing others. And I think that's the thing, right? Like there, we have a lot more tools to figure out how to motivate people now. I mean, this just wasn't deeply discussed 20 years ago. It was out there. You could find this information. If you were in certain industries, you would be aware of it. But I think it's now hitting critical mass. And um, what it sounds like you're describing with this, this system or this change in coaching styles is looking at who you're dealing with, understanding what they need listening to what's happening and trying a different way, like shifting gears and constantly moving to where your uh, team is. Like, I think that's, that's part of it. And I think there's a lot to be, we've talked before about getting to the point where your skills ossify and you're using things that are old or worked for you 10 years ago and thinking that's it. That worked mm -hmm. for me 10 years ago. I'm good. It's just not the case. It's a constant evolution. I think I like the sports analogies as well. I think they're, very yeah. useful and you can see the results like it's, on TV. It's so incredible. I, I am almost as much of a nerd for my favorite sports teams like 
behind the scenes talent development methods as I am the actual like on the field product now. It is uh, endlessly interesting. The other thing is the Raptors here in Toronto kind of blew the lid off this idea that there's a cap on performance for Canadian sports teams. I think now, I really believe in that, honestly, just set the bar so high. And I want to be really clear when talking about emotional intelligence and leaders. I mean, I have never, I've had kind leaders, but it's a form of kindness to help someone improve their performance. Right. Like totally. This is rigor we're talking about. We always talk about discipline, performance, rigor. There's a way to get the performance. It's not negotiable to not get the performance. It's not kind to let someone just spin their wheels in a mediocre way. You know, that's not good. They're not going to feel great about their work product. They're not going to feel great about what they're getting from the relationship. It's partially about saying, you know, you can do this. The sky's the limit. Very often people think that in these, you know, this era of um, ping pong tables and tap, you know, beer taps and offices, everything has to be, you know, Fun. the best all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're all best buddies. But you know, you can easily veer onto the path of like being the cool mom or the cool dad, <laughs> you know, of right. just like, there are no rules, and there are no limits. And you're not actually doing a service to those that you're trying to develop, because you're not delivering that important feedback. It's not about I, I, I just happen to think that good leaders, can deliver difficult feedback in a very helpful way. As you've said, I'm on your side. I want, you know, to talk about this because I want you to flourish in the future. And this mm-hmm. type of thing will hold you back um, versus maybe the model in the past would be the, you know, yelling and screaming without any sort of uh, assistance, reasoning or, or so on. So that's a very good point. Darling. Caring is helping uh, develop. And helping people see that there is no cap on on what they can do, right? Like, I, I really think that that is a leader's job. I think it's helpful to have someone in your corner that that thinks that about you and just kind of helps you open the pathway. So anyway, that's my uh, final salvo about leadership. So I hope that answers our fan mail. I hope that's good. I hope to hear back. So the, the short answer is <laughs> practice emotional intelligence. Well, know yourself, practice emotional intelligence, Focus on helping others and, uh, you know, be a giver. Be a giver. That's good. That was a good book, by the way. The Giver. Remember that in like elementary school? The Giving Tree? No, The, the giver. giver. I don't know The Giver. No. I'm going to write it down. Well, uh, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll come back with our challenges and giz and gripes. The Lawyer Life Podcast is brought to you by Interalia Law. Interalia lawyers have big firm training, in-house experience, and a wide range of expertise in technology, media, and entertainment. Our advice is business-focused, speedy, and practical. To learn more, visit interalialaw.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-A-L-I-A-Law.com. And we are back with our challenge, goods and grapes. The challenge is a thing we're going to do this week to try to improve ourselves. Goods are things we want to promote and support. Grapes are things that annoy us. Darlene, you're going to tell us about our challenge this week. Okay, here's the challenge. I alluded to it earlier, but it's usually only through, this is a quote, and I'm going to put the link to the article in the show notes. It's usually only through diligent practice, self-reflection, and feedback that leaders can improve their emotional intelligence. So... It begins with the first step. Pick one attribute and get to work on your own emotional intelligence improvement plan. 
So as I said, I am going to work on listening. Um, and that is going to be what I will update on next week. Um, listening first, talking second. Um, and Mike, since we work closely together, you can provide honest feedback on that next week. Okay. And then you can decide on your own. I, I came advanced prepared because I made this challenge. You did. Yeah. Um, I have to figure it so out. So anyway, that's an article from Forbes called "What Does an Emotional um, What Does an Emotionally Intelligent Leader Look Like?" Now, cool. you're good. You want to start? This is like a bit of like a you know super corporate good good. But I just have to say, I yesterday was in a store uh, that well, I'll just say it, Warby Parker. I was getting new glasses. Okay. And we know, did you know Warby Parker? Yes, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I don't know. Not everyone. No, not everyone anyway, but I just like, it used to be so, so, so painstaking to get new glasses. I went in there, tried on a few, was like, I think I want to get these glasses. They did like the pupil thing. They did this other thing. And then they're just like, you know, same prescription as last time. I was like, yep, card done. It was like, I went from like, wow. I went from like, it was so simple and pleasant, and I love well-designed experiences for customers. Oh, yes. It made the sale occur. It's not not the purchase that I am talking about the good of, but just folks who have really thought through and streamlined a very pleasant user-centric process. And I that is something I try to think about a lot, even when drafting agreements and other things. Uh, and when it's done well, I just am so motivated and interested in it. So that's oh, and when you're interested in it, you also I, I am as well. I have a hard time walking into almost any business without <laughs> thinking about it. Um, but, you know, it's so you also see that there are these strategies that become kind of the thing that people say you should do. And I find that the neat thing about looking at different businesses is I see strategies that I know are the buzzword in action and they don't work. And I like seeing that, yes. too. You know, like why, what isn't working yep. that should work? Anyway, I see it a lot with, uh, with our industry for sure. Um, so my good, I am, you know, generally podcasts are my good. <laughs> I was listening to a bunch of different podcasts. Um, Mike and I, I think we spoke before the holidays. I listened to this new podcast called The Rewatchables, which I don't think I've talked about on this, this one, but they did a great podcast on on um, they effectively the point of the podcast is what are the what are the movies that you can watch over and over, and I enjoy some of the ones specifically the one on Jerry Maguire which we've discussed on this podcast favorite of mine and also they did one on Top Gun and it is hilarious to think about all of the different things in minute detail from these old movies that you liked so uh, interesting podcast funny. The other thing that's a good is I listen to a parenting podcast um, called Unruffled that is helping me just kind of figure out you can go by issue. You look at the episodes, she answers uh, questions from listeners about their parenting issues and you get good tips. So those are my goods for the week. How about gripes? Cool. I don't have one. Okay. I'm grapeless. I have my good is also my grape a little bit on the parenting podcast front because I, I realized last night that um, in I've decided uh, just, again, everyone who listens to this podcast knows that I'm always trying to improve everything. And that can be annoying sometimes when you're trying to improve parenting on your kids because there are literally 7,000 different ways to parent children. 
And when I, I love this podcast, but I also sometimes feel like, oh, is that the way? I need to listen to three different podcasts to understand how to deal with this. So I guess my gripe sometimes is that in the era of parenting in, uh, parenting in the year 2020, there's a lot of information out there and it can be very hard to figure out how to, how to really authentically deal with situations. So I get a, at the end of the day, I have to go back to my own instincts and trust them. Not just go by advice is yeah. where I landed. But anyway, that, that would be a goody gripey, I guess. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the chat. We'll talk next week. Go leadership. Go leadership. Go leadership. <laughs> All right. Talk soon. That's it for this week's episode of LLP. Thanks to Inter Alia Law for presenting the podcast and to Nick Fowler for composing and performing our music. See our show notes for his website. Don't forget, we love feedback. Please comment in the review section or subscribe or like. We'd appreciate it greatly. That's it. Talk soon. <laughs>